0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host Bernice Alexander Bennett and I'm broadcasting live tonight from Memphis, Tennessee. Well I want to welcome the callers and chatters and I do see some new chatters in the chat room to research at the National Archives and Beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn and take action. It If If you have logged in as a guest and you wish to participate in the chat, please sign in through your Facebook account or Blog Talk Radio. Well, tonight's show will focus on making sense out of your DNA results. And I want everyone to know that this is certainly not the first show that I've had on DNA, but it's going to be the first show that my genie buddy, Nika Smith, and I will be discussing making sense out of your DNA results together. Now, Nika Smith is a professional photographer, speaker, and documentarian with more than 17 years of experience as a genealogist. She has extensive experience in African ancestor genealogy, reverse genealogy, and family reunion planning and execution. She is also an expert in genealogical research in the northeastern Louisiana area. Sharing genealogy with youth, documenting the ancestral journey, and employing the use of new technology in genealogy and family research. And for those of you that don't know me, in addition to being the producer and host of Blog Talk Radio, I'm also a speaker, family historian, author, citizens archivist with the National Archives, and I have several research interests, one of which is in African-American genealogy, DNA, and connecting with the African diaspora, homestead land records, Civil War pensions, and Freedman Bureau files. So I just enjoy genealogy also. So let me give a warm welcome to Nika Smith, to research at the National Archives and beyond.
2: Nika, welcome to the show, and it was great seeing you today. (laughs) It was. I'm so glad you could be with us in the Bluff City here in the wonderful Memphis, and perhaps um, sometime this weekend you can take in the Memphis in May festivities that we have.
1: Oh, yeah. I've I've heard about the festivities, and they sound like they're very uh, exciting. Lots of fun. So, Nika, Nika, let's just go back for a minute because we were just talking on Sunday about our DNA results and genealogy, and well, let's just share with everyone else what we think about the tool and how we have made sense out of our DNA. So, Nika, let's do some full disclosure right now. Nika and I do not work for any DNA companies, nor do we serve as ambassadors or spokespersons for any company. So what we will do is just share with everyone what we have experienced and what we have done with our DNA to help make sense for us. So, Nika, let's start with the beginning, okay? Okay. When did you decide to test your DNA and why did you decide to take a DNA test?
2: Um for me and my family the first DNA test that we did was back in uh 2009. Um seems like it was so it was so recent, but it was actually about seven years ago. The first test that we decided to partake in was a test offered by a company called African Ancestry um, that has a proprietary database um, that is specific to uh, groups um, that reside in Africa um, and helps people identify their lineage, their direct lineage, based on their um, gender um, you know, direct line, mother, father's line for men and a woman's direct mother's line, um, where their ancestors are from in Africa or potentially um, the fact that they could be from Europe. And that's based on, you know, the haplogroup um, that gets um, issued or, you know, determined. And so um, the first DNA test that I ordered, um, I actually did not take um, because there's no way for me to be able to get back Um, on the particular line that we were really interested in, I actually had to test one of my mother's first cousins, her male first cousins, to do that in order to be able to get back on the direct paternal line of my great-grandfather. You know, back in the quote-unquote olden days when it comes to um, doing DNA tests, um, you had to be very specific about the people that you chose because the tests were based on gender. Um, It's not the same as, you know, uh, altogether the same as what we're doing Um, with autosomal DNA right now. Um, And so we were really excited to get the results back. And every one of my family is, you know, still says with pride where our family's from. And um, I actually traveled to Cameroon, which is what they identified the DNA being traced to twice as a result of getting the results from that test. So um, that was my first furrow into DNA research. What about you?
1: Well, it's interesting that you would mention that particular company because that was the first test that I also took. It was given to me as a gift by my daughter, and she knew how uh, I was so into genealogy to the point where she said, okay, Mom, it's time for you to figure out where in Africa your, your folks came from. And so she ordered the test. It, it came to the house as a birthday gift. And so that was my very first first test uh, to just determine my maternal line. And at that time, my mother was still alive, and I remember getting the results, and I said, Oh, Mom, guess what? We're from Nigeria. We have markers that are closely aligned with the people in Nigeria. Um, uh, 99.9% and our uh our ethnic group would be Yoruba and Fulani. And my mother said, "What are you talking about?" She had <laughs> no idea. She said, "I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what this DNA is all about." So, I don't I don't think that's right. Well, I said, "Mom, right now this is this is all that we have." So, if there's another test out there, then one day I I may consider another test. But at that particular point in time, in 2008, that was the only test that was being marketed heavily to the African American community, and so things have changed now. So, Nico, where did you go from that test? You said you had several members to test, and you also looked at went to Cameroon. So, what what's your what was your next test?
2: So following that, um, you know, we revealed the results at our family reunion in 2009. And then um, shortly after that, um, when 23andMe was just kind of sort of, you know, getting some traction, I decided to pay to get a 23andMe test done. And I did it the year before they actually started the Roots to the Future project, which aimed to get um, a a large uh, group of African-Americans um, tested and in their database, and so you know I was like one of the lone few people with a, a L haplogroup in Relative Finder, um, or Family Finder, um, or actually it was Relative Finder at that point. Um, now it's become um, DNA Relatives, and um, you know for getting the results for that, you know, it's my first test, um, autosomal test where you get the percentages, where you get the, um, you know, percent European, um, African, and Asian. And um, I I can't say I was surprised by my results because I've been doing DNA – or not DNA research, but I've been doing traditional genealogy for a number of years at that point. So my results actually came back, um, you know, exactly how I'd envisioned that they would. And, um, you know, as I've taken more tests over over the years, the results have pretty much stayed the same. Um, And so um, I think at this juncture, um, at least early on, I was just shocked to see so many people who didn't look like me who were related to me based on my DNA. Um, that actually kind of shocked me. And even to this day, it really still does shock me, um, the number of folks who probably don't check the same racial, de- racial designation boxes I do um, who are genetically related to me, you know, and um, trying to fill in those dots is, is now the story of, of my genealogy journey in part. Um, but, yeah, back, back, in the, back in the olden days, <laughs> um when there weren't that many um people of african descent who were doing autosomal dna tests um you know i was one of the few lone wolves in the 23andme system there weren't very many of us um but now you know it's it's completely different so what was um what was the second test that you participated in
1: well once again i think i'm trailing you <laughs> uh that was also the test i i my second test was um, was actually not twenty three in me. I decided to test my brother and you mentioned uh autosomal dna and and I think it's important for people to understand that this is the test that 's testing everything that 's in you. And it's not, it's not sex-related, which means you're not only testing your female line, you're not just testing your male line. So that's what the autosomal DNA test is. So I decided to test my brother. And I went to a company called Family Tree DNA because I wanted to see what the mtDNA would look like, what the mitochondria would look like. And I also wanted the Y test. And that was the one company that would provide me with what I wanted to see. And so thank goodness I have this wonderful brother because he said, sure, I'll take that test for you, and that's exactly what he did. And so I did end up getting the, the male haplogroup, which was an African haplogroup, and I also received the mitochondrial haplogroup, which was also a uh, African, East African haplogroup, uh, L three BE two. That's what it is. It's a it's a grouping, and when you hear us say the word haplogroup, understand that there are certain regional groupings that people will be put into, and so that was the second test that I took, and. Every test, I did a test for a reason, and this is something that it's important for our listeners to understand that when you order a test, you should know what kind of test you're taking and the reason why you're taking the test. And so that was the second test. And then, Nika, I did the third test, and it was for me, and it was with 23 and me. And I chose this test uh, for two reasons. One reason, I was hoping to get a better picture. I read up about this company and I knew that they had something that would pretty much map my chromosomes and show me where different parts of my genealogy, excuse me, or my ancestry would show up on the chromosomes. And they also provided me with a total breakdown of what what was in me, everything that was in me that, that included my mother and my father, and so that was my my third test. I also received relatives, and just as you said, you started picking up relatives that were not necessarily of African origin. I picked up relatives that also had European origin. And I also picked up the fact that I am definitely an African woman. And my, my African showed up as 85% West African. I also had East African. I also had Native American and European in my, uh, my entire makeup. And so it was helpful to, to take that test. So what was your next test? Uh,
2: after I did 23andMe um, and they released the Roots into the Future project, um, when they decided that they were going to offer the test, I sent a email blast out, no kidding, to my family. <laughs> we have an email list of over 300 people, and I blasted out and said, yes, please get on here, please take the test, um, all that. And um, at first people were skeptical, and then as family members started getting results back, everyone got into, you know, becoming a part of the system. And so at this point, we actually have about 35 people in my family um, through my maternal grandmother who have tested on 23andMe, including me, my mother, um, my grandmother, who is going to be 100 um, this year, um, several uh, cousins of varying degrees. and now it's at the point where when we are matching DNA with other, family, uh, other people in the system, I can actually say there are six people in my family where we have the proven genealogy through you know oral history and through traditional genealogy with documents, um, and we have the DNA match um, where there are seven of us from one family, and we match you. And I can tell you exactly where the relationship comes from, and it comes from my 3rd great grandfather. Um, and we would not have had that power if that many people in my family didn't take advantage of the DNA testing, especially when it was free. Um, you know, and then as the price, um, you know, went to $99 on um, 23andMe, that also encouraged other family members to um, take the test. And so once I did 23andMe, once we got all those people logged in the family, um, I then followed up with doing Family Tree DNA, um, and then after that, I followed up with doing um, ancestry DNA. And that was just so I could get as many hits in um, all of the websites' databases as possible. Um, for me, you were talking percentages. Mine pretty much stays the same. Um, it's at about 70% um, African, 30% European, and um, the rest, um, it's actually probably less than that European because my, my, my Native American percentage vacillates between like 2 and 5%. Um, but the surprise for me was actually seeing my mother's um, admixture ad results um, where her father gave her more European DNA than he gave her African DNA. And um, I'm sure we'll talk about this later in terms of finding cousins and relations. Um, that significant portion of uh, European DNA actually helped lead me to discover um, a great great grandparent that I didn't even know that I had. Um, so yeah, so in terms of admixture, um, you know, as was alluded to earlier, that and the percentages that all depends on the company and the algorithm that their databases have. It's not going to be exactly the same over each each um, DNA test that you take. And I would I would probably caution folks to not take tests um, just based on trying to get a, a particular admixture shown. Um, in particular, you know, the Native American piece, you know, trying to test with different companies to see if it's higher, um, you know, just as, as Bernice mentioned earlier, you want to take a test based on, you know, just making sure you're clear on what your, what your goal is. And the percentages are going to change, you know, as they change the algorithms and things like that with their website. So I would say um, I think my question to you then, um, Bernice, is, When did you actually first start reaching out to people that you were shown to match genetically? And what was that experience like for you?
1: I started reaching out almost immediately. And with, you know, of course, with African ancestry, there was no one to reach out to. There were no relatives for me to reach out to. So the the company where I received the most relatives were both autosomal DNA testing companies, of twenty three in me and ancestry, and i had i still have I have matches at family tree DNA, however, not as many, but my goal with every person that I matched, I would write a note, i mean introduce myself, and I would ask the question, "Why did you test your DNA?" just so that I could understand where they were coming from. Because all people may not test for the same reasons. If they're testing with 23andMe, the goal may be health, to find out what kind of risk factors they have. It may not be ancestry at all, and it may not be connecting with relatives. And so that was a question that I would pose to people just to see if they would respond. Now, I know we're going to get into this later about some of the surprises that we picked up in in some of our DNA matches. But, you know, the thing to keep in mind is that you're going to have people from everywhere, you know, communicating with you. Some people are going to be extremely open and very happy to communicate, and other people are going to not communicate at all. And and I had to get used to that. I had to, to work it in my head that, you know, everybody's not going to want to talk to me. Everybody's not going to want to respond to, to me. And I do have my picture, so if someone will see my picture, they'll know. You have an African-American cousin although you may be 100% uh, European. And so then they have to make the decision, do they want to make the contact or not? What about yourself?
2: Yeah, I have definitely had that situation. I think um, those who are really into genealogy who begin to use DNA tests You know, we get extremely eager once we take the test to reach out to family members, um, you know, that have been identified through DNA. um, And when we don't get those responses back um, or we have certain types of responses that we didn't expect, um, you know, we can get a little bit in our feelings, um, you know, and – I think the example that you gave of being clear in your communication early on and saying, you know, I'm here for genealogy, I actually put that on all of my profiles that I have available on the various DNA um, company websites. I put that I'm here for genealogy. Just so folks know, you know, if I start asking questions or whatever and they go to my profile, they're clear about my intentions on why I'm there. Um, And, you know, I I also see um, other folks using they'll change their profile picture to a little, you know, image that says um, I'm adoptee friendly um, or I'm here for genealogy or, you know, we've proven this line of a particular family through DNA. Um, and that, that does help people because it gives them a visual, especially somebody who, you know, potentially is an adoptee and is trying to locate birth parents. You want to know that that these matches are people who are really interested in trying to help you find your birth parents. And I, And I've had folks who are related to me, um, who have reached out to me to help with that location. And it may not necessarily have to be a traditional adoption situation. I've come into contact with several folks who have taken tests, um, who have tested parents, and have discovered that one or more of their parents are not biologically their parents. Um, And then the whole process that ensues afterward of trying to locate who the exact biological parents are. And, and you know, we often talk about this, Bernice, all the time about how people need to really be prepared. You know, they think, yeah, let's take the test, let's get the Q percentages like they do in the commercials on television. But sometimes there's an emotional fallout that takes place as a result of getting those results back that people may not necessarily be um, prepared for. And so, you know, that's, some, that's another word of caution that um, I think we should probably issue people. But um my communications overall with the folks has actually been, you know, pretty well. Um, I have had some scenarios where I have reached out to people regarding connections, and um, I had someone completely remove the side of the, the of their family um, that our relation was on from their family tree online, like they just killed off that parent <laughs> entirely. Um, and the preponderance of evidence, be it traditional genealogy as well as genetics was there that proved the relationship, um, you know, I have to add that this is a situation where um, it was a biracial couple involved, me having the ancestor who was more of African ancestry and the other person having an ancestor who was European, of European ancestry, and that person completely removed their, that side of the family that, that, that the relation was on because I contacted them telling them about this relationship or potential relationship that we now know is a relationship um, that I wouldn't have been able to unearth. Um, without DNA. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a fine line that we have to walk with some of this stuff. Um, I would say what, what you, you mentioned, you know, having some success in um, your pursuits, reaching out to family members. Um, What do you think makes the biggest difference between someone staying online, communicating with you versus moving it to let's meet in person? What do you think kind of makes, a person go one way or the other with that. Well, I think um, I am one
1: to to want to meet people. Real, I like to meet people. I I give them my email address. Uh, I say, hey, let's talk on the telephone. It's just people have to have a comfort level, and you have some people who are extremely private, and people are suspicious. Remember, remember they're talking to strangers. And so I take it slow, but I do kind of offer whatever opportunity I can to take it to the next level. I want to do that. Now, I go, I'm, I'm straightforward with everybody. This is my tree. I have gaps in my tree. But I do have information about my family on all sides. But I know I have some things missing, and I'm hoping maybe through our connection we'll, we'll, we'll work it out. But let's form this team. And it's almost like you become this research team. And in the genealogy is so important. I mean, the DNA alone is just going to tell you you're a relative, it's the genealogy that's going to make it happen. And so it's important for us to, to understand, though. That everybody hasn't put together a family tree, and Nika, I don't know if I I shared this with you. I have in some cases reconstructed somebody's family tree, just to take me to the next level because I I'm seeing things, I'm feeling things, I'm 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 sensing that I'm I have a breakthrough coming in, but then sometimes it's not happening at all. And I just feel like I'm totally at a loss. And this is where we kind of get to the whole point of, you know, there's a whole emotional side of DNA where one minute you're doing the happy dance and the next minute you are mad. You're mad mm-hmm. because you can't make you're mad because your DNA person didn't respond to you as quickly as you wanted them to, you have somebody who's mad with you because when you look at their DNA, they don't have African, I mean, Native American in there, and they're mad. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, let's, let's try to understand what's going on here with your DNA results and And sometimes you have to go a little gentle with people and 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 you know start where they are if they're saying right now I don't know and and you mentioned adoptees being adoptee friendly well I'm an adoptee friendly person I will tear down whatever I can to help an ad- uh, an adoptee. And uh, you know it's 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 part of that whole journey that we're going to right. It's, it's it's it is a journey because you have your genealogy, and you know there's a whole emotional side just to your genealogy. Add DNA on top of that, and what do you have?
2: You have a I, lot going I, on. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. I mean, there's a lot, and I I think what DNA is doing. Um, is you know without it we could operate in a certain amount of hyperbole when it came to our ancestors right we could keep passing down the stories and the you know um, the, the heirlooms and the documents and all these things that 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 happened but what DNA does is it says here's pretty much here's here's the black and white situation now Yes, it's going to take some time to narrow down who these exact people are, but what I can do is tell you that this is not it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's so final with regard to that um, that I think that's what scares people the most about it is, you know, I mean, you got to think about it. Some folks are not ready for it. You know, it's like the myth of, you know, I call the myth of the, of the, the good slaveholder You know, by by nature, slavery was just horrible. Now, granted, at the time, we had to look at things through the lens of, of how people thought at that particular point in time. At the time, people considered it, you know, okay and fine. And, you know, we can look at it now with 21st century eyes and see that it was wrong, you know. But the idea that you have this ancestor who you probably have propped up, you might have a picture of them in an old family home, you know, where people speak about this ancestor so lovingly and then you discover that they had a child with a slave and you don't know how to reconcile that relationship at all because you don't know if it was a, a loving relationship or if it was control, if it was rape, you don't know anything about that. You can't go back and ask questions. You can't make up a story about it. <laughs> it's just very right. it's black we can. and white. Yeah, it's yes. very black and white and that's one of the hard, you know, same thing is testing parents and finding out that one of them is not your biological parent. It's very black and right. white. It's not, oh, he could be. No, he isn't, or she isn't. Um, and right. so, you know, and, and then plus the other thing that I think people, it trips them up as well, you know, it's, it's the contact, it's the black and white nature of it, is that the, the science and understanding the science in a way that makes sense to them. Folks are excited to get the percentages but then they don't know what to do next. They don't, they don't quite understand. And, you know, in this conversation, we're really talking about DNA from the perspective of genealogy and from genealogists. And we're going to, you know, you're going to have matches who don't care about genealogy. They just wanted the percentages and that was it. They may not log into they, their yes, account They just their want year. their admixture
1: percentages. You're they right. just
2: want their admixture percentages. They don't want anything else. They don't want to talk to new people. They don't want to find new people, you know. Um, they just want those percentages. And then there are the diehards like us who, you know, spend hours, you know, days and, and years of their lives trying to track down who these exact people are. And we may never know all their names. But, you know, right. we want to be able to have a fighting chance to identify them. And so – um, you know, we just, you just, it's, it's just the ebb and flow. It's, it's the same thing as when you're doing traditional genealogy and you've got that family member who refuses to help you, you know, or who you know has the family Bible but won't give you the information, you know, or who's got that picture but won't let you scan it. You know, it, it's, it's just dealing with people, human people in general. And you know, if you're looking at DNA from a genealogy perspective, you've gotten your results back. You see the percentages. You're able to kind of figure out, you know, to some level what those are then, you know, my suggestion is definitely sitting down um, or taking a class where someone really breaks down how to read through your results and how to start making the connections. We had talked earlier today about, um, you know, genealogy at really brought, really you know, it's really granular because you're looking for Roy Rogers born in 1894 in Venita, Oklahoma. And you want to right. make sure that that's your person. It's very granular. But then when you talk about genetic genealogy, it's it's much more large. It's 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 more expansive than that. And you have to start big and whittle down small, in order mm-hmm. for and you know whittle down. You know you're removing um, options versus um, starting. You know so it, so to speak. Instead of you having a green, orange, and yellow shirt when, you, when, you, when you're doing traditional genealogy, if you have a green, yellow, and orange shirt, you know your ancestor's is the green shirt because someone told you or you've got documents or whatever. With genetic genealogy, you're getting a green, yellow, and orange shirt, but you have to figure out based on your matches, is it the green one, is it the purple one, or is it the orange? Those, that's the difference between the two. Genealogy, traditional genealogy, is very granular. You know you're starting out with a green shirt for the most part. But with genetic genealogy, you've got three shirts, three different colors, and you're trying to figure out exactly which one is yours. And the easiest way that I've done doing that is looking at patterns. You know, if you have the ability to search in all the major companies, and I'm speaking 23andMe, Ancestry DNA, um, and Family Tree DNA, have the ability to search using surnames. Um, using their databases, and my suggestion is looking at your top matches, those who, who share the most DNA with you, and looking at their surnames, searching your results in those systems, or all three systems, if you tested there or perhaps in GEDmatch, and see, you know, if those surnames repeat. Try every single one of them that's there. And if the person doesn't have one, ask them if they need help doing their family history research, and see if you can narrow down their surnames and you can start to identify patterns and everyone's organization system is different. Um, what do you do to help you track matches, Ms. Bernice? Because this is probably one of, the, one of the biggest questions that a lot of people have is, yes, I have matches, yes, I see patterns, but how do I document it in a way that makes sense to me? Well, I I'd
1: actually download my, uh, all of my matches, and I put them in a spreadsheet, an Excel spreadsheet, and I sort them by the chromosome And the beginning point and the end point, and I look at how they um, match up with each other. So I also look at triangulation. I look to see if I have at least two or more DNA matches that are matching each other. And then the question is, do you know this person? How are you related to this person? Now, I'm, I'm looking. I see one of my DNA cousins in the chat room right now, and we're close cousins. I have yet to figure it out, yet I see other people that we're matching. And so it goes back to my own genealogy and looking at that person's genealogy, and she's done an excellent, excellent job with her genealogy to the point where I actually pulled her ancestor's Civil War record so that I could read the Civil War record to determine if I could see something in that record. That might help me. And this, again, is we're back into the genealogy, you know? We're, we're looking at the genealogy. We're trying to just make sense out of it. Absolutely. What about you? I,
2: I, I think that good DNA research, the foundation of, you know, genealogical uh, DNA research, sound traditional genealogy. Um, they they don't exist without the other, unless you absolutely have nothing to go on. If you're an adoptee, I get that, but at some point you have to pull in the clues, the paperwork, the you know maybe you got non-identifiable information based on your adoption or something. You have to start with that because then it's you know it's it's harder to narrow folks down. But then if you see patterns in the system, you can use those to your advantage as well. But if you have the genealogical tools available to you if you can do the traditional genealogy, if you can interview your family members, if you can, you know, search for records online, if you can go to courthouses, if you can do all that and gather as much in your arsenal as you have, then it's not so hard to be able to narrow down relationships. You know, one of the things that I also employ is if I see a match and I'm going through, um, and at this point because I've seen some of the same names so many times, those are like my go-tos for when I'm looking through a tree. I'm like, do I see any of these? Um, I also look at locations. Where were people living? Were they close by to where some of my ancestors were? You know, um, one of my my big locations for me right now is South Carolina. I have some ancestor who was in South Carolina. Of course, you know, I'm going to be reaching out to you at some point, um, Bernice, about that, but I don't know who it is yet. But I know that somebody was there because I have a huge preponderance of of matches that are um, tying back to South Carolina. So um, I just kind of keep that in the back of my pocket. And for me, I started out um, where I have the starting and the ending points of the DNA. And what we're talking about with that is comparing um, your genome um, with a match or the person you match genetically and using a chromosome browser or some sort of a tool that maps out your chromosome and will show you um, where on a particular chromosome you match – with, like like Bernice mentioned, the start point and the ending point. And so I started with that spreadsheet where I had, you know, a column for the name. I had the column for the chromosome, the start, the end point. I think I had the number of SNPs and um, maybe like a notes area. And then eventually what I did was I moved to a program called Genome Mate um, that they have um, available online to download for free. And it, and in, in essence, does the exact same thing, but it helps you triangulate, which is looking at you, looking at your matches, and seeing who all shares the same DNA in the same spot, um, and if it's identical, and if that's the case, and that identifies um, that you share like kinship with those particular people in those groups. Um, There's a a chromosome I have in particular. My chromosome three is crazy. There are like 25 people who share the exact same segment (laughs) on chromosome three. And in that group, I'm the only person, me and my mother are the only people of African descent that are in that group of people. And in that case, you know, we look at that, look at the group as a whole. What are some of the common surnames that revolve around that particular group? Unless you contact folks one-on-one or look at their trees or information that they have available, those surnames. Um, and in that instance, that's what helped identify helped identify my second great grandfather, um, who was not who I thought it was. Um, and right. so, uh, Genome Mate is is great for capturing data. You can put in information from all of the websites that they have um, available to do the chromosome browsing. Now, that's the one drawback about Ancestry DNA is that you cannot browse data. Based on where you match folks um, on the chromosome. The other thing I would say, too, about Ancestry DNA granted, they do have a lower test um, uh, price right now is that if you don't have a subscription to the records portion of Ancestry DNA, you cannot see the family trees for people who um, show up as matches for you. So you'll see them in a list. You'll see that they're related, but you can't see their trees unless you subscribe to the service, Um, which in some ways, for me, I think that that's that's just, gosh, that makes it hard. You know, of course, they make it super enticing to get you to, you know, to pay more money, but um, they're really geared towards just giving you those percentages, and that's pretty much it. So sometimes, especially for those of us who see those, you know, um, people who don't have trees on Ancestry, it may be because they didn't subscribe to the records portion of the website or the traditional part, you know, of ancestry. They just they just bought the DNA piece. Um so don't think that folks just aren't putting in trees. They may just not want they may not want to pay for the subscription charge. Are there any other drawbacks that you see, you know, maybe from company to company? because um, I know we all use Well each company
1: use, I would say would have a plus and a minus to to what they yeah. offer. And so you have to number one Study each of those test companies, know what kind of tests you're taking, and also know how to work the system. You know, one company, for example, 23andMe, you send an invitation. You have to ask people if they want to share their genome with you. Uh, The same thing is with Ancestry. You write them, and they're not sharing their genome with you because you can't see it and you do see how much you share as far as centimorgans. This is the, a measurement, uh, how much you share with them, but you still don't know chromosomal-wise where they're matching you. So that's the next thing you want to do, especially with your ancestry DNA matches, is to encourage them to download their raw data and to put it on Gedmatch.com. And that's, a, that's something else we can talk about a little later. But one of the things I want to mention, I want to go all the way back to something that you said earlier, and that is you had a lot of family members to test. Now, some yes. people don't have a lot of family members to test. And, I mean, I'm one of those. I don't have a huge family. However, the people that have tested, I have been able to determine the side of the family that they match. And so I have a first cousin now that I didn't know I had, but I have one now on my maternal side. I have a second cousin on my paternal side. I have a third cousin on my maternal side. And with those cousins, when I get a match, I always try to see if my current match matches them. And a, one of the things that you have, if they test an Ancestry, you can then click the match in the middle, the match shared, and see the people that share that match with you. On Family Tree DNA, their tool is out there, which is really good because you just can click Match in common, and it'll triangulate for you. It'll show the people you match in common. You don't have to request the uh chromosome you don't have to request anything it's there it's That's all you have to do is go to the to the box and look at the chromosome and browse and see where you're matching somebody so again, look at each of those test testing companies to see what you can do with your results, to see how you can match up people. Now, I have a second cousin whose results came out today, and I identified that second cousin not through ancestry testing but through genealogy we did the we went through everything and in fact i wrote up that story in in the book our ancestors our stories and it was me searching for my south carolina kin well through the through the genealogy i met a cousin that i never knew before and she has since tested and she is a second cousin this is exactly the way it should have come out now with her results she is now triangulating with, I mean, there are at least 10 people that are matching us in common. And I have something to tell you that's very interesting. I went to visit uh, a distant cousin, and the distant cousin brought out a box, and she said, why don't you go through this box? You might find, you're in genealogy, you might find something interesting. Well, she had a box of obituaries. Now, give me a box of obituaries, and, yes, I am in hog heaven. I am reading those obituaries. What did I see on one of the obituaries was one of my DNA matches name on the obituary. And I said, I know who this is. I wrote her. I said, I know who you are. It The, the whole family line was not in her tree at all. But because her name was there, I said, we share the same three times great-grandfather, and this is his name, and this is how I know it. And I proceeded to explain to her everything. So one of the things that we need to start looking for are obituaries that name family members that perhaps may not show up on the tree. But if you can find... If you can find somebody <laughs> with a, a set of obituaries, then that's that's kind of a place to look to kind of connect the dots and put things together. Love those obituaries; they are an absolute wonderful uh, source, especially when you have obituaries when they say, and they have one hundred and twenty-five great, great, great <laughs> grandchildren. <laughs>
2: okay, I mean, really? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I mean, but you're, you do raise, you're raising an important point, though, in that, you know, one of the people that we know that, you know, one of our dear friends, um, Angela Walton Raji, she spends a lot of time doing community research, you know, researching little small towns and, and you know, um, municip- municipalities in different locations and reconstructing those spots. And, and I think for her and then also other people in general, um, doing that research where you're, you're basically recreating these communities is going to really come in handy when it comes to DNA research because, you know, we'll discover, oh, well, we really were related to the Thompsons or we really were related to the Stevensons. I didn't know that until we had all done DNA research. Um, and, and you brought up that story about your cousin and you all connecting through traditional genealogy, and then she took the test and you guys saw that she matched. I had the exact same thing happen to me this week. Um, I actually had a cousin who found me through one of my old messages on AfroGenius um, that I had posted about my great-great-grandfather. And she had grown up hearing stories about the same man and that her dad was named after him. He had his exact same name. And so she said, you know what, I believe that we're related to him. My father always mentioned that, Um, you know, entirely pinpoint." Um, exactly where she was related or if it was through that particular ancestor but I had my hypothesis. So I beg, 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 please, please, please do a DNA test and her results come in and it matches exactly how it's supposed to. So, you know, that's where, you know, and, and, and with the 35 people in my family who have done um, the DNA, you know, test, it's solidified our already, already done traditional genealogy research. We have the paper behind us. Now the DNA is solidifying that relationship. It's saying, look, we've got traditional stuff. Now we have the new technology that's behind it as well. Um, And, you know, as you mentioned, you may not have all those family members to test. Um, And you got to remember, that's isolated to my maternal grandmother's side of the family. I just got my father's first cousin um, on his, you know, on my dad's first cousin to do a test. Um, And, you know, I, I have... I'm imagining people think I have both of my parents living. I don't. I have one living parent, and I have one living grandparent. So that's three people in terms of my grandparents that I have to try to replicate um, through testing other family members. And then I also only have one parent. So um, using first cousins of my parents, I've been able to, or in particular my dad, I've been able to kind of reconstruct my dad's DNA. Um, Granted, you can do a process uh, called phasing, where I can take my mom's genome and match it against mine and then whatever doesn't match the both, you know, my mom, I can then extract it out and say, okay, that's my father's side. But having that additional cousin in there tested, that first cousin once removed or the first cousin of my father, I'm then able to um, make the determination that a relation is on my paternal grandfather's side or my paternal grandmother's And because I have my mother standing proxy for her dad and I have first cousins on her mother's side tested and I have my grandmother tested, I'm then able to say, okay, if a person matches me and my mom but not my maternal grandmother, her mother, then that match comes from my maternal grandfather. But then if that person matches me, my mother, my grandmother, and my mother's first cousin, then on her mother's side then I know that relation can come through there and so that's where the having the additional family members tested also comes into play for various lines of your family if you've got the traditional research then you can plug those DNA results in and then you know okay if if me and this third cousin of mine and this, this person we don't know if we all have each other in common and we match in the same exact area okay then we're all related through that common relation that we know that we have me and that third cousin so Um, it's a lot of deductive reasoning um, and it's not all exact science is still evolving. Um, You know, there will be times where things make sense and things don't. um, But that's when you rely on your community. That's when you go on Facebook. That's when you go on AfroGenius. That's when you go to the different groups. Um, That's when you go take classes or, you know, participate in seminars or institutes like the, midwest african-american genealogy institute where you focus primarily on dna research so you can hone those skills and you can do more than just open the test and get percentages
1: right and since you just mentioned the midwest african-american genealogy institute we're going to stop for a few minutes just for infomercial so everyone we're going to take a break By the way, the phone line is open, so please feel free to call us. We want to hear what you're experiencing with your DNA results and how you're making sense. So let's stop for a few minutes and listen to this infomercial, and we'll be right back.
0: Have you taken a DNA test but now want to know more of the stories that are part of your African-American history? Are you a professional genealogist researching for an African-American client? Are you familiar with black resources in one part of the country, but not in the other? If any of these apply to you and your research, then you may want to attend MAGI. MAGI, M-A-A-G-I, stands for the Midwest African American Genealogy Institute, which is a teaching institute where for three days in July, you'll have a chance to select one of four different tracks devoted to African-American genealogy. For the novice, Maggie can teach you new skills. For the experienced researcher, Maggie will expose you to different resources that you may not be using. Located this year at the World Famous Genealogy Center at the Allen County Library in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Maggie will take place July 12th through the 14th. The Maggie Experience will bring together nationally known speakers to a small group of participants to spend three intense days of learning, analysis, and presentation. The Institute can change what you know and influence how you approach your knowledge of your own family history. Whether you need a foundation course, a writing course, wish to explore the times before and after slavery era, or if you simply need help in understanding DNA and what it means, Maggie will teach you how and where to go next now that you've begun to look at your past. Join the small and intimate group at Maggie, the Teaching Institute. For more information, visit the website at www.MaggieInstitute.org.
1: Okay, well, welcome back to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, and Nika and I have just been talking about DNA. And so, Nika, let's go back to a few little little tidbits about how we have connected the dots. So do you have an example of how you connected the dots with your newly discovered cousins?
2: Oh my gosh! yeah, I have a million stories like this. Um, with and I, and I'll talk about the one in particular. Um, I was noticing in my DNA results, um, in, in particular when I took after I took the ancestry DNA test, and using ancestry, um, as we've been talking about a lot tonight, you know looking at the different tests and the different things that they offer before you actually jump in and take the plunge and, and pay for it. Um, one of the key features of, of the Ancestry DNA test is the fact that they offer the ability to see family trees. Now, I just mentioned a little bit earlier that if you do not subscribe to their um, system for, you know, searching records, you won't be able to actually look at the tree. So you got to remember you got to have that um, membership in there as well as the DNA piece, um, paying for the DNA piece. And so one of the things that I noticed early on after I took that test was The repeating um, of these surnames, Chisholm, Walling, um, Gillentine, Gillentine, Estes, these surnames were just just prominent over my results. Um, I took the first couple close matches that I had, and I plugged in um, into their system, you know, using um, initially – just a regular search that was on Ancestry. And, and, and now I actually use a plugin called Ancestry DNA Helper. And what this does is it allows you to get an additional um, search function in your regular internet browser. You have to use Google Chrome for this. And it allows you to search by users. And it also allows you to search your notes that you have kept on your various matches um, for DNA. And so as I kept finding these Chisholm, Gilantine or Guillantine, Estes, Walling, Matches, I would copy and paste all of those particular people noted on those trees with those names. And I'd copy and paste that into the notes field on Ancestry. And then once I got done getting a sizable number of those folks, I went in and actually searched using that Ancestry DNA helper plugin in my Google Chrome browser. I searched my notes that I had copied and pasted for all those people. I want to say Gosh, it's upwards of 30 folks at this point, and I kept seeing the same names and the same dates repeating. And so, um, you know, then I noticed that all of these folks, um, at least the ones that had extracted their information, their raw, downloaded their raw data to GedMatch, we all matched on chromosome three. Every single one of us did. And as I mentioned earlier, I was, me and my mother were the only people of African descent who matched that particular area on chromosome 3, and this was a sizable amount. Um, Some of the matches that I have that match on chromosome 3 in this area, we are matching upwards of 50 centimorgans in one spot. There are several folks where we're matching 50 centimorgans there and then another 20 elsewhere. So this was a decently close relationship. Um, based on the amount of DNA that was shared. And so what I did was I looked at those trees for all those folks that have those repetitive names. Everything was sounding similar. One thing you also have to keep in mind on Ancestry with regard to the trees is that people do copy information from other folks, and it may not be sourced. So um, you got to kind of use, you know, a bit of a critical eye when you're looking at the information, looking to see are the sources there, you know, did they just copy someone else's tree, and that was it. And I was finding a lot of consistent information, and I was also finding information that wasn't consistent. And so um, I reached out to my matches um, early on, contacted a cousin of mine who actually lives in Alaska, um, and we were on the hunt. We were on the case. And um, she does not identify as African-American. Um, you know, she definitely checks the box Caucasian, um, you know, if she has to, you know, fill out a form. And, um, you know, she let me know early on, you know, that, that she didn't approve of what what this potential situation could have been that, that created, you know, my ancestor, um, but that, you know, she wanted to learn more about it and she embraced me and my family. And, I mean, she asked about my son. I mean, we just, we have an amazing relationship at this point now. Um, and so we just kept plugging along, plugging along, plugging along. You know, we, I looked at initially, I mentioned, I looked at repetition and surnames, location, dates of birth, If you have a number of folks who have the same people on their trees, keep that in mind, document that. And so um, from there, we then started plugging along, started going through all the male children through this, this European family, who lived close to where my ancestors were. Based on how all of these people who matched me matched, I saw that they matched me and my mother, but they did not match my grandmother, which, of course, at that point meant that the relation was on my grandfather's side, my mother's father's side. And so because I knew fairly, you know, well where his family was from, I started ticking off every male person who kept down this line of the family, just every male, where were they living, blah, blah, blah. And then I got to one. And in 1880, and and at first I thought, ancestor, potential ancestor or situation that created my family, you know, happened during slavery. What I discovered was that it actually didn't happen during slavery. It happened after. And um, I was able to get down to one man and all of his sons, and there was only one, one of his sons that lived in the area my family was in. In fact, he lived so close that he was two pages away from my ancestors on the 1880 census. And after I saw that and I saw how long he lived there and that he died there and that he eventually got married there, (laughs) and then I saw his picture. And that's what threw me completely over the edge because I'm like, okay, maybe I'm adding more to this than I should. And so then I opened up Photoshop and I put a picture of my great-grandfather next to this man that could be his father. And after that, it was over. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, There was no way for me to be able to deny it because I had the genetic proof because I wouldn't be matching all these people um, who all had this relation through this Chisholm and Walling family if I didn't get DNA from this man. And he was the only likely suspect who was around. Um, you know who we had documented around my family members, and so um, I blogged about it. Um, you know, it, it's just I, I I came to terms and I, I added it to my family tree, and and now at this point on Ancestry DNA, I've got 16 separate people who match this particular man who are descendants of this man or his parents that match me, and now I have a whole DNA circle that has has shown up as a result. Um, of me making this connection to this man. So, you know, just to review, I looked at repetition of names, vocation, then after that I looked at the group of people who matched in that same area on that chromosome, seeing if I could identify um, the like relationship that they all shared, um, if they had the information or the genealogy already done, seeing what their connection was and then how potentially I fit into that based on the measurement of DNA that I had, and then going through the potential suspects, and seeing who was close, who was living close by, who had relations near, business dealings, whatever, and then honing down and narrowing down in you know, on who the ancestor was. So that's how I was able to do it. So what, you, what you're saying, though, so that everyone
1: can understand, that this is not easy.
2: No. This is a lot of work.
1: <laughs> it's it's, a lot it's of just worse. not it's... instant. It it's not kind of instant recognition. You you have to put in your critical thinking hat on when you're looking at your your DNA. And then you you have to do something. Now, I want to give you um a a little a success story that I had. And again, it began with just traditional genealogy to the point where I blogged about it. And the blog was called Once, What's in a Name? And it was how I tracked and figured out my paternal great-grandmother's surname. Well, I wrote this story up, took it all the way back to the family members being given as gifts to the governor of South Carolina. I named all of the children. I found them on a Freedman bank record. All of this was in my blog. And then guess what I received? A DNA match, and the person must have looked up my name somewhere, wrote me and said, everything you wrote in your blog is correct because I am the great-great-granddaughter and named the person. And that was a DNA match to me. And I have, since that time, because that person matched my DNA, I could then match up other people that matched her and track it back to this particular family line. I've also had an adoptee. And that's another another story within itself because I had a fourth cousin DNA match, fourth, not first, and she had two names. She had, well, two pieces of information, the state of Louisiana, Creole, and she said something else. With that, because I had requested that my fourth cousin's test, now, this is fourth, people. Remember this. This is not first. This is not second. This is not third. This is fourth. We were able to figure this out. We figured it out. And she did connect with her birth father and her birth mother. Now, somebody in the chat put, well, how do you deal with secrets and scandals?
2: Oh, boy. But
1: sometimes. Well, let's face it, we're going to find some MPEs here, some non-paternal events.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: I mean, how do you handle, you know, that kind of stuff? Let's, let's talk about that for a minute because, let's face it, folks, we're going to have siblings that thought they were whole siblings, but they took the test and they're finding something different.
2: Absolutely. Um, In my experience, um, you know, most of the time that folks find out that a parent, you know, that raised them is not a biological parent, it's usually by surprise. Um, You know, for the most part, it's, you know, I was just taking the test and I wanted to be able to, you know, um, separate my results into my mother or my father's side. Um, that's typically how it happens. Um, And then, you know, they start trying to compare DNA, and they see that none is shared. Um, You know, for the most part, for the people that I know personally who have dealt with this, there's some sense of denial um, initially, and then they come to terms with, you know what, what I thought was the case is not. Um, You know, then usually at that point they proceed to try to have a conversation with um, the living parent. Um, If they have the parent that's still alive or um, sometimes they choose not to, sometimes they withhold that information and they wait. I've seen people do it. I know people who are still doing it who have not told um, the parent who believes that they're the relation that they're not. Um, I've seen, um, you know, when that conversation is engaged in with the parent um, who is the biological parent, um, I've seen everything from flat out denial, that the test is absolutely 110% wrong. To folks acknowledging that they remember, you know, events playing out certain ways, and they didn't think that that was the case, and you know, just the sort of coming clean about um, the situation. Um, I've seen folks be able to reconcile and actually forge new relationships with the newly discovered family members. Um, I've even seen um, people who have had um, their their parents tell them that their father was not who they believed their dad was, and they took the DNA test, and the person was right, that <laughs> the father was who they were. You know, it wasn't someone else. Someone else. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just the nature of life. It could go either way. Um, and, you know, we just have to be prepared. You know, we, we you know, as, as one of my genealogy buddies, uh, someone in her family says, I wasn't down there with a flashlight on when it happened. So unless
1: (laughs) unless that's the case,
2: you know, you just can never be sure. You know what I mean? You Mm -hmm. can never be 110% sure. And and as I mentioned earlier, that's the black and white nature of DNA research. That's what it's doing for us, and and especially with those close relationships. um, I discovered I had a a first cousin I had no clue about, you know, because he took an ancestry DNA test and discovered that, um, you know, just because he was interested in his family and both his parents had passed away, one of which being my uncle that I didn't know I had. And um, when I see this first cousin pop up, I'm like, wait a minute, I know all my first cousins. Who is this? <laughs> and so I start calling people in the family. I'm like, do you know anyone that had a child? I would not know this. And, you know, and they don't know. And um, we started comparing notes. And then it became very clear, you know, basically using deductive reasoning, like we mentioned earlier, with, you know, comparing to other family members to see where the relation fell. And, you know, I had to go and tell, you know, my, my aunts and uncles that they had another sibling. Unfortunately, they had passed away, but that they had another six nieces and nephews that they had no clue about.
1: <laughs> right. So, right. yeah.
2: Yes. Now, Nika, I want to take you
1: back to something. I think you mentioned uh, uh, geographic locations where people are uh, discovering cousins. And I, I am from the South. I'm from Louisiana. However, I'm seeing cousins in Massachusetts and Rhode Island and Philadelphia and Maryland and Virginia. And some people will respond, I don't have anybody in the South. I don't have anybody in Louisiana. I don't have anybody in Mississippi. I don't know anybody in Arkansas. The message here, folks, is to stay, keep your minds very open. People did move. People may have not moved by choice. They could have been sold down the river. But the point is, is that you may begin to see that you have DNA relatives all over the place. Keep an open mind that indeed your cousins are out there and they're not just sitting in that same community. On the other hand, don't forget the community that your ancestors were when you knew about them or when you found out about them. So let me give you another example. I knew that my grandmother's father's last name was Watson. However, throughout my growing up period, I never, ever met anybody with that surname. What did I get with one of my DNA tests? A Watson in the exact same location where my grandmother grew up. Not one, but several. And so I'm like, they were here all the while. I didn't know it, but that's how DNA testing helped. So you have to think both ways. First of all, you may find relatives all over the United States plus outside of the continental United States. Second, go back into your neighborhood. As Nika mentioned, you know, start looking at what's going on up and down the road. I'm finding DNA cousins. I can write them and say, your ancestors living right next door to mine. I see it. I see it on the census. Or I'm finding a name in a record. This is where we have to really communicate, Nika. Mm Mm-hmm. So, we're getting Absolutely. close to the end of the show, and if anyone would like to call in with a question or a success story, please feel free to do so in the meantime. Nika, what kind of parting words or words of wisdom do you want to leave with everyone tonight when we talk about making sense
2: out of our DNA results? I would say with regard to DNA research um my parting thoughts are this. Your DNA research, in some ways, is only as good as your genealogy, your traditional genealogy. Um, and I, I would also add um, to be aware of the tools that are available to you based on the tests that, that you've taken. You know, realizing out of the gate, if you're really interested in genealogy, you probably want to test with all the companies. And that, you know, that can get kind of pricey. Um, or at least uploading your information to Jed Match on um, the free service JedMatch, um, to have as, as many, you know, matches available to you as possible, um, and you know, just keep an open mind. You know, we weren't alive back when when things happened. We don't know the circumstances to which created folks. We just know that the people are alive and that they're related to us, and and everyone who's you know, for the most part, who's a part of this process. They genuinely just want to find new family members. They want to be able to reach and connect with people that they didn't know were, were related to them. And we just have to kind of keep that at the forefront of our mind when folks are asking questions or they're not sure about the technology or they're not sure what to do. You know, just, just assume that people have the best intentions at heart until you've been proven wrong. Um, you know, but don't go in there expecting the absolute worst. Um, and, you know, just keep an open mind, and, and, and I can promise you you'll learn. And, and this is something else that I think the, the DNA is doing. It's expanding our horizons. It's removing us from the homestead, from where we've been doing our research and honing in. You know, you focus on South Louisiana. I'm more North Louisiana, but now you're, you know, dealing with stuff in South Carolina, and I'm dealing with stuff in Virginia and Texas and, you know, other areas that I may have touched, you know, more recently. Um, in terms of, you know, family members, but now I'm going back into the annals of time and, and, and searching out information. So I think it's in, in some ways it's definitely making us a better um, making us better researchers as well or well-rounded researchers.
1: Right, right. It's making us better researchers, and also we have to understand we may not be able to even figure it out. You know, there's Absolutely. some people we will match and we will say, I, I, I don't know. But there's nothing wrong with being respectful, and to express the fact that you 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 can't figure it out but let's let's do what we can and uh the the point is that you know genealogy is important they go hand in hand you you if you take one and you don't look at the other then you're missing something and make sure you educate yourself Read every every single test that you take. Every single company has a tutorial or something that you can read just to understand what kind of test you've taken so that you don't have to get somebody who will respond to you if they've taken an autosomal test and they say to you, well, I don't have anything in me and my father, I have, and I don't have a male in my family to test, so I guess the only thing that you're seeing are people on my maternal line. Well, that's not true because they've taken an autosomal DNA test. So understand just what test you, you're taking. The second is to read books. I mean, there's some DNA books that are coming out. Uh, you know, I had David Dahl on to talk about his book, uh, Next Gen, and now uh, Blaine Bettinger, they coming out with a new book on genealogy, and I hope to have him on the show sometimes in June. Uh, communicate. Respond to people. You, you may not want to give a whole lot, but I tell you what, folks, when you start putting out that your name is Roadrunner and Happy, Happy Lappy and you give all these little names but you never say what your name is and you give a one-sentence response and you give a one yes or a no but you're not talking, you're also giving a message that maybe you're not interested or maybe you're a little suspicious and so you need to to understand that the only way that you're going to take this further is that you will have to communicate. Add a tree. Add a tree if you can. Uh, if you don't know something, say it. Say, I have gaps in my tree. I don't understand what's happening here in my tree. I do have some gaps. So that at least people could understand, and then say, you know, do you want to collaborate? Would you like me to help you, and and take it to that next level? Now, there's a question out of the chat, and, and Anika, Anika, I don't know if you've had this experience or not, but how are you handling those international DNA um, matches? And and have you had any international DNA matches?
2: Absolutely. Um, that chromosome 3 group includes somebody who actually lives in Great Britain. Um, And, um, you know, for them, you know, they're, you know, eyes wide open. Um, You know, they're they're just like, wow, I've got American family members and, you know, they identify as different races and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, in my instance with, with my cousin being from Great Britain, you know, they have access to just much more old stuff than we do um you know we've got good old stuff but they've got like amazing old stuff and so um you know just sometimes um in terms of like the time difference and things like that you may want to consider you know when you're messaging them um just so you know you know it, it may take a full 24 plus hours for them to respond because they're you know they're hours ahead of us um and then i also have matches um that are straight you know First and second, first and second generation from Africa. Um, that you know, I didn't get that piece of DNA, but my grandmother did, and one of my second cousins once removed did. And this, this is this is a family who, until this this person who took the test, you know, they were isolated to a little community in Nigeria. You know, and she could pinpoint going back five, six, seven generations where the relation lied, and the, you know that she had tested additional family members, and so. Luckily, she was here in the States, but um, matter of fact, this has reminded me I need to connect back with her because she was actually planning, this cousin was planning on testing other family members in their village just so we could narrow down the relation. And I'm, I'm hoping that that big, gigantic scroll of a book like <laughs> what happened when um, Sanjay, I think it was Sanjay Gupta went to uh, India on finding your roots. I'm like hoping there's someone in this village that has that <laughs> for my family. Mm-hmm. But I would say be cognizant of time language differences if they speak a different language, um, all that kind of stuff definitely comes into play. But don't don't be discouraged right. from contacting them.
1: Right. And, and I'm in the same situation. I've had people to contact me from Australia, uh, Jamaica. I, I have a couple in Barbados. And I too have had uh, 100% African uh, matches, which to me has been just the most exciting thing, I did the happy dance all over my kitchen. Uh, but it, it is something that is part of my DNA, and the, the more I can connect, the, the happier I am uh, with all my relatives because, I you know, they're all my DNA cousins. We are sharing DNA. We may not know how, but they are uh, a relative, now, there's a question here about the the good time of the year to get com- uh, the, the sales. When do the sales come out? And, you know, we just had a, a Mother's Day sale with all of the we companies. Did. I would just we say, did. you know, keep your, keep your eyes open. Things may be posted on Facebook. You may have certain groups that do specials uh they may they may be looking for a certain group of people, for example, the Georgetown Memory project they're looking for descendants of the two hundred and seventy two slaves uh that were uh sold from from the Georgetown University to the uh Louisiana so who knows your family may be a part of that, but pay attention to. Some of those cells that are being posted, and they usually have a, a short window for you to purchase your test, but pay attention. And also, if possible, get other family members to test, if you can. Try to get other family members uh, to, to take the DNA test. The more that you can test, the better it is for you in trying to figure out Uh, how you are related to different people. So with that said, uh, I want to just thank you, Nika Smith, for joining us tonight. Just, you know what, DNA is here to stay. You, You keep seeing changes. Pay attention to what's happening with the changes in the various companies. Sometimes we express a lot of frustration, but then we also have a lot of joy. And, you know, genealogy brings all of us joy, too. And I want you just to remember, you know, your ancestors left footprints. Therefore, you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, yes, your DNA, and research at the National Archives and beyond. You can continue this discussion on the Research at the National Archives and Beyond and AfroGenius.com Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining Research at the National Archives and Beyond. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, And my website is www.geniebroots.com, and I look forward to you joining me next Thursday. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Good night, everyone. Good night, Nika.
2: Good night. Have a good night, you all.